Dudes watch Disney podcast. We watch films and have a blast. Rank them all from first to last. It's our podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dudes Watch Disney episode seven. It's time for Alice in Wonderland. I do not have a number or film title joke to start this one off today. Sorry, everyone. My name is Jake. I'm Dustin, and I'm disappointed in you. Are you? Because all you do is make fun of whatever I come up with. Honestly, couldn't tell you that you even did any of these things. Have no memory of any of the opening jokes we've used. Seven, seven, eight, nine. nine. There's no seven jokes. Ah. So Alice in Wonderland, a film released in 1951, uh, but initially attempted to be made much earlier than that. Uh, Apparently, Disney wanted to do this way, Walt Disney wanted to do this way early on, uh, even making attempts in the 1930s. Apparently, he was a fan of Lewis Carroll's books and read them as a small child, and it was like a passion project of some sort. Are you familiar with Lewis Carroll at all? Reading any of his stuff? Uh, I have, well, I have read Jabberwocky. Yeah. Uh, that's about that's it. That's the one I would be most familiar with, I guess. Uh, I did read Alice in Wonderland once, uh, three or four years ago, I guess. Don't remember a whole lot about it, but I, it did, I did read it. I can tell you that much. So like you said, it was uh, something they talked about making for a long time. They uh, basically had this movie and Cinderella in a race to be finished, like which one would get to come out next. Uh, Cinderella finished slightly before Alice in Wonderland, so it got to be released first. Interesting. Um, But they were neck and neck for a while in production. I think they used a lot of the same like uh, voice cast as well, too, because watching these back-to-back, I kind of noticed a lot of connections there. Also, at some point, uh, they were planning this film to be like a live-action animated hybrid, like a Mary Poppins kind of thing. Really glad that didn't happen, to be honest (laughs) with you. Uh, I mean, we got some of that in fucking Three Caballeros and stuff, and I'm thinking we would have probably enjoyed this on the same level, but... Right. I'm... I mean, it it probably would have been the same quality level of the, uh, the... Jack and the Beanstalk that we mentioned before with Gene Kelly. It could have been, yeah. With your waddle birds. Fantastical. Yeah. Uh, any childhood memories of the film? Not really. Didn't uh, wasn't one that we owned when we no, were we little. Um, I don't feel any sort of uh, nostalgia for this one at all. I know a lot of people uh, really like this movie. It's uh, got a cult following, yeah. Um, yeah, not really me either. I think I watched it once as a kid, like on TV or something. Like not in order, or I guess in order, but not like the full thing and just getting really confused and upset by it i think like i definitely remember the cheshire cat freaking me out that's the one like child memory i have i think we've established in these first seven episodes that you were scared of most disney movies (laughs) at some point or another so either of the whale or of the running through the woods scenes in snow white or i I was a very fragile child i don't know (laughs) um but then yeah so just that viewing growing up and then I, I've seen it a few times as an adult but it's been like uh, I mentioned on Fantasia watching that a few times as an adult too but it was like a, let's turn this on and only sort of pay attention to it kind of way and this is kind of the same thing could also be because this movie's on TV all the damn time like I saw around the time we started this podcast it was coming on 
not ABC Family, but whatever it's called now. Freeform. And recorded it there, and sometime in the intervening, like, four months, it got deleted, and then, then I saw that and was like, well, it'll fucking be on again, and then I'd record it, like, the next week, so. It's definitely a film I imagine uh, a lot of people are familiar with, probably more so than us, but, uh, I don't know, it's always been kind of a weird one for me, which, uh... Do you, um, do we understand why we didn't own it when we were little, um... Did it have to do with the way Disney, you know, does releases and they go in the vault and then they come back out? Like, did we just happen to grow up in a time where it was in the vault? That could be. I, I don't, don't remember. Because I know I'm, that other people our age enjoy this movie, so I don't know. I can, in my brain, I can picture a lot of, like, the 90s Disney VHS covers right. from that, like, release section. And I don't know. So is it like that or one. is it a deal where, like, a lot of things in our house, like... If our mom didn't like it, they weren't in the house. So I don't know if like she didn't like this movie, so we never saw this movie because she didn't like it. I don't know. We could go quiz her yeah. on if she was an Alice in Wonderland fan. I don't know. It could have just been like, eh, whatever. Like I, it has a girl in the title. Like I wouldn't have picked that one off the shelf. I guess we might as well get into things. Uh, so film opens with Alice, a small girl named Alice wearing a blue dress. You know getting her history lessons from a teacher i guess i don't i think it was a relative i think it was like here's your tutor for the the evening or whatever she's sitting in a field and getting these history lessons but she is completely uninterested and more interested in playing with her cat dinah and looking at flowers and asking questions about things the teacher's saying hey you got to pay attention you got to pay attention to this book and alice poses the question how could anyone possibly pay attention to a book without pictures in it and then starts imagining a world where books only have pictures and teacher lady calls that nonsense so (laughs) pretty much right away we've set up everything you need to know about what alice dreams of and what the reality of the world is because alice is dreaming of a world where everything is nonsense and that's right away that's the framework of our story right much better explained the way that you said that than the way that i wrote it in my notes which was (laughs) uh bored in the real world wants to invent her own world after a boring song follows a white (laughs) rabbit in a waistcoat yeah i believe uh i believe i called the song boring as well. well because it was I didn't even write, normally I write down the names of the songs as they happen, I didn't even bother here, it was just like, this is whatever, like, you've got a song here to introduce the character's desires, but you did a boring-ass song, so I don't care about their desires. Right, I mean, that's sort of a, like, that's a really generic template for a song that we get in most Disney movies, is like, in the opening ten minutes, there's your I Want song from the uh, protagonist, which, uh... Which is fine if it's done in an interesting way. Like, you contrast this with, like, uh, the opening song to Beauty and the Beast, where we get not only Belle's motivations, but the motivation of of Gaston, too, you know? And then you see, like, how the townspeople view each of them, and all of that combined into that one opening song. Right. Even in, like, Lion King, I don't know why I'm only picking, you know, 90s examples, but even in Lion King, I just can't wait to be king pretty clear what Simba right. wants like we get bad 90s examples too like I'm a pretty big defender of the movie Hercules but the opening Hercules I want to be a strong hero song is like the worst thing right. in the world compared to zero to hero which is fantastic oh, yeah. but uh yeah also I, redundant I don't know why they needed two motivation <laughs> songs like zero to hero would have covered it like, I think so uh what I wrote in my notes was Alice explains to her cat via song about this crazy world she's dreaming of where 
flowers have magic powers and dogs and cats live together mass hysteria and I called it pretty dull not boring but yeah, close yeah. That's the only note I also did not write the title of the song or anything but uh, jumping ahead there's a lot of songs in this movie and some of them go by real quick so it's kind of hard to keep up with all of them but uh, immediately after singing about this wonderland uh, a rabbit with a waistcoat and a watch strolls by and he realizes he's late and starts singing I'm late, I'm late for a very important date another song that's you know, pretty memorable but also only there for like half a second and then you gotta keep running so Alice is like, what the fuck, why is there a rabbit here dressed in like posh, a posh outfit like this and it's like, you gotta follow him and she knows what she's doing is wrong but she can't help her curiosity so she falls down the rabbit hole everyone knows that uh, right, yeah, she falls down in a pit, which slowly becomes a funhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, she can't get through the door, so she talks to the doorknob. Yeah. Oh, you jumped that. There's oh. like a ten-minute conversation See, with the I told doorknob. you, got fucking bored. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not a good start for this one. She runs into him, and he's like, he, she's too big for the door. She tries to twist him, and he won't. And he, like his nose is like, ah, oh, my nose. And then he makes a joke about like, oh, that was, she had quite a turn there. And then... Right away, it's like, oh, how are you going to get through this door? Uh, and the door's like, oh, well, there's these pills right there. you got to go eat them. That'll make you small enough to fit through the door. She does that, and then as soon as she smoked, uh, shrinks down, the door still won't open. And he's like, oh, I'm locked. I didn't mention that. And the key is all the way back up there. And right away, it's like shrinking, growing. What kind of wacky wonderland is this? So in order to get back up to the key... She eats a little sweet tart that makes her grow big, but then she's too big and pretty much immediately starts crying. I mean, get it together, lady. Like, it's not as big of a disaster as you're making it out to be. You just ate some candy and grew a little bit. I don't get the big deal. But the tears pretty much immediately cause the door to start drowning. Like, right, floods the room with her tears. And then it's pretty much everything just gone to shit right from the start. She does eventually get through the door, and that's when we meet a sailor chicken. Uh, always love this guy. Uh, and he's singing a silly sailor song about, oh, never, never, never do is, a thing about the weather. Is he not a dodo bird? I thought he was a dodo. I suppose he probably and is. And not a sailor chicken, whatever that he is. He's a sailor. Yes, I thought he was a dodo bird, but... Well, chickens, dodos, what's the difference? Uh, yeah, you're right. I always <laughs> go down to the KFC for the new dodo bucket. <laughs> Fine. Fair enough. <laughs> Never, never, never do a thing about the weather because the weather never, ever does a thing for me. That's what I wrote. Yes. Uh, Music note here. Uh, I find the music of this film to be far more lively and silly than any of the other films we've seen so far. Nothing really has much purpose, but they're all, like, silly and fun, like, sea shanties for the most part, which is a good way to win me over. And, you know, this dodo sort of washes up on the shore, and he's got a bunch of fish marching around in a circle. For whatever reason, uh, I think it was to dry them off, but Alice is, uh, gets caught up in the circle, starts marching around with them, and she's like, but we're not going to dry off this way, and I don't really, like many things, it, I don't really know the point of this scene, it's just kind of an episode that happens right before... We have another episode where we meet Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Right, she sees the rabbit again, follows it, and that's right. when she bumps into the Tweedles. And uh, they're kind of creepy. Just weird, honking fat men. Like, maybe it's because I've seen them as Batman villains before, too. That, that also makes it strange, but 
Yeah. They sing a song, How Do You Do, and Shake Hands. And they start explaining a story about how curiosity is dangerous. And then they tell her, uh, they tell Alice the story of the oysters, also known as the walrus and the carpenter, which is a another Lewis Carroll, it's a separate Lewis Carroll poem that kind of got worked into this movie. Uh, which makes me think I would have liked to see the Jabberwocky also incorporated in this film. Sadly, we don't get that. But this has always been my favorite part of the movie. It's just kind of a fun little mini story. And uh, I've always enjoyed the song about cabbages and kings and whatever. Yeah, it's also my favorite part of the movie, although I'm going to explain it in a slightly different way. Oh. Which is to say, I find every minute of this movie to be so annoying. <laughs> Um, and this is the part of the movie I find to be the least annoying. All like, right. You're getting right into I know, like, final feelings. Right. Well, it's hard for me to talk about any part of this movie without mentioning that, too. Because, right. And I don't know if it's a thing where, like, if on its own it might be okay. But there are so many people who are insistent upon Alice in Wonderland being the fucking shit and the greatest thing ever. And As the following, we like, hot topic t-shirts. Right, and, and I can't... It's like... If you have a friend who's, like, really into this, like, indie band, and they tell you how great that indie band, and, like, talk over every song about how, well, this is great, and wait till you hear this, and, like, yeah. and so, like, when you listen to it, you're just like, I just want this person to shut up, and I'm so annoyed by this person that I can't appreciate, like, maybe it's this is a fantastic movie, maybe it's just me, but it's not just me. Like, the whole time with, like, stuck in the room with the doorknob, and I'm now too big, and now I'm too right. small, like, that's not interesting to me, that's just annoying to me. Like, right, and the film keeps that and that's the whole movie right. right and so if you're into that then maybe you really enjoy this movie but if that annoys you uh which it does me uh it and it that doesn't have to be annoying like that could be like now you're too big now too small like life is hard whatever right. like that could be funny that could be interesting i don't think it is i don't think alice is likable either not so really. I, I so i, I feel I like that hurts that like we yeah. have a main character who's not all that likable and i don't care if she gets to this damn door or not like there are actually a lot of points i was gonna bring up in our next episode but, oh, uh, but well but what i wanted to say i do like the walrus and the car I don't understand it, but I don't feel like you need to. Like, a lot of this is meant to not be well, easy to understand. Yeah, Walrus and the Carpenter is neat because it's, uh, like, a self-contained story that's just sort of True. here. Which, when everything else is, like, I don't know if, like, meandering is the right word, but it's just, like, if you you had a plot line, uh, I'm, I am using my fingers to draw here, so that won't help you guys that much. But if you had a straight line of, like, here's where we want to go with this plot... But this is, you know, it's Wonderland, so this plot is just like a like sound bar going up and down. Which is and all fine. Like, I can be okay with it not making sense or whatever. Well, thematically, I think that does make sense. Right. This is a wacky world, but it's also like frustrating right and and annoying like yeah. it's not it's not ah that's cool and ah, it doesn't make any sense like it's like uh in in willy wonka or something or charlie and the chocolate factory whichever version you prefer where they talk about how but, but it doesn't have to have a point candy doesn't have to have a point or whatever like that's what this should be but yeah. it's not cute and enjoyable like that it's just like this is annoying like right and I'm sure there's a better way to describe it than this is annoying over and over again. But it really is, except for the Walrus and the Carpenter, well, which let's I enjoy. Get into the Walrus and the Carpenter, right. singing about uh, I, the Walrus. Kalu Kalei. Right. The Walrus uh, is probably the most outright evil villain in all of Disneydom. <laughs> like the plot of this this poem is, he basically kidnaps a school of children. 
tricks them into thinking he's going to serve them dinner, but then fucking eats all of them. And not only does that, but he has a friend he's doing this with who he double-crosses in the process. Right, I think you should make clear that these children are oysters. Like, these, these aren't, like, little kids he lured out somewhere. They are portrayed as little kids in, like, a crib. True, like, but we know that walruses eat oysters. This right. isn't, like, he's some sort of child predator out there. Like, right. he's not just luring little kids off the school bus to his home. Like... You're right. Right. He's a dick. <laughs> He's a dick in multiple ways. Of, I'm right. going to murder these, but also, fuck you, best friend. I'm not going to share. Right, like, yeah. We're going to all eat them together. No way to eat them all. Like, now let me run away. Oh, wait, you're chasing me with a hatchet. Do you, um, in past experiences with having a roommate or, like, with your fiancé? Like, I was you... the one that ate other people's Oh, okay. Food. I was about <laughs> to say, like, have you ever had, like, a experience like this where it's like you know what I think, I think there's some leftovers in the fridge and I'm gonna eat and I'm gonna be so no, excited is usually the walrus in this oh, situation well never mind then yeah Alice pays no attention to the moral of this story because her th- her logic process is I'm not an oyster so it doesn't matter to me so the Tweedles start singing again but Alice sneaks off and then the next thing that happens is a cozy cottage uh uh, the rabbit, she follows the rabbit here, and the rabbit, uh, is calling for someone named Marianne, presumably his wife, uh, I don't know, but this, we do find out that this is the rabbit's house, because, uh, I, there's a fun little visual gag in the background where there's, like, a, a staircase, and at the top of the staircase is a portrait of the rabbit, and is, but there's another portrait of his wife, and then all the way down the stairs there's portraits of, like, 27 fucking children. <laughs> that made me laugh. Yeah. Bunnies. Bunnies have babies. (laughs) It's a classic joke. But the rabbit seems to think that this Alice is this Marianne person, orders her into the house to find his gloves. I guess he needs those for his important date. But while she's up there, she finds a cookie, and proving that she's learned nothing, uh, eats it and grows too big to fit in the house. So... And more growing and shrinking. Like, uh, you we could, just it's, did this. it's in addition to being annoying, it's repetitive right. annoying. Like, if different issues happen to her along the way, I think maybe that would be. And maybe it reads better. I haven't read the book. Like, maybe it's more interesting to read it than it is to watch it. I don't know. From what I recall, it's more portrayed like a mini adventures kind of thing. Just like, here's what happens in this chapter, and here's what happens yeah. in this. Now, I will say, we may not be going through this, like, directly, because we seem to be branching off all over the place now. But I will say, like, on a grand scheme of things, I do like the plot line of, I want this kind of crazy world, because I don't like the world I'm in, let me go here oh, wait, everything's spiraling out of control and getting more crazy, and now I'm panicking. And Right, I mean, it's a classic, like, children's like story. Wizard of Oz. Like, it's a classic plot line in yeah. general. Well, but especially with children's story, you think you want the stories, you think you want this, but you don't really want this because this would happen. Even, like, Home Alone. Like, I wish yeah. my family would disappear, yeah. then it does, and it's like, oh, wait, this is terrible. Now I have to be an adult, and I right. have to... There's bad guys after me and all that. We... Can we talk about Home Alone instead? <laughs> I love I meant, Home Alone. Well, but but I meant specifically with the fantastical nature of sure. But like it's the, the same I... Rugrats episode okay. about Mirror World was my first thing I was thinking of, where it just keeps getting crazier and crazier and building. That is a good episode. I, like, yeah, that's true. And then it builds up to oh wait, it was all a dream, which because that's fucking how all of these movies end. But true. Yeah, well, not Home Alone. Oh, true. That actually happened. <laughs> the true story <laughs> of Kevin yeah. McAllister. 
okay, maybe not actually happened, but in the Home Alone universe, it actually <laughs> happened. It wasn't a dream. Anyway, she's stuck in the house. <sighs> Sailor Dodo comes back and says, what we need is a lizard with a ladder. Which of course we do. There's one <laughs> walking right by. I actually don't mind the lizard with a ladder. He's okay. He's a fun little side character. That, uh, never I, don't, I don't care for lizards in real life, though. Oh, no. There, I said it. Yeah, yeah. don't care for lizards. I, in general, I don't like animals that can move quickly. They um, do move quickly. Usually they, away from people. Yeah, it doesn't experience. matter. They could change in any direction at any time. Uh, I like slow-moving animals. I don't turtles. have an issue with turtles. I don't have an issue with sloths. Uh, you know, uh, basset hounds. <laughs> any, anything that moves slowly, it can be my friend. So they decide to burn the monster out, is the song they sing. Uh... This causes the rabbit to start fretting like crazy. Parrot How can that solved. be their solution? Like, we can't get it out. What if we burn the whole house down? Like, well, I don't think this dodo is a real logical guy. I know, but like... <laughs> He's looking at the bottom line. I mean, that seems like we don't have any other plans. Like, that's... Uh, well, what do we do? Well, well, we just burn the fucker down. Like, He's duh. saying a sea shanty about it. That's how you win an argument. Oh, we'll, we'll burn the monster out. Right, then they're all on board with his sing-song plan. But she gets small, because we do that again, and then leaves and chases the rabbit to the next thing. We end up in Flower Town. There's a little creativity here between I, the, the, the flower designs we get and, and sort of the animals as well, because we get butterflies, which are actually bread and butterflies. And rocking horse flies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this doesn't make any sense. Uh, one of them talks to her, and she is stunned that a fly can talk, even though she's been talking to and doorknobs and, and rabbits and lizards. And But she's this a, a fly can talk? What? That's crazy. Yeah. Like, the flowers are all incredibly selfish, and they don't get along together. Right, right. I wrote down, uh, flowers sing to her, but then bully her. Like right. They sing a song called Golden Afternoon, which is probably the most boring song in the film, oh, yeah. which we started out this movie That's talking true, about yeah. boring songs. I know you tried to praise it for having so many different songs, but I feel like several of them could have been cut. Yeah, this felt very, like, Melody Time-esque mm-hmm. of here's some flowers singing a silly song and not accomplishing much. But uh, the animation's prettier than that movie, but it still feels like retread ground. I wonder if this was a case of, like, the writers and animators trying to do something to please Walt. Like, Maybe. Because we've had a flower thing in several different, yeah. you know, drip, 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 little April showers. But then watch the flowers there, and you've got flowers in Fantasia, and, right. I, and other uh, Melody Time, I think, had some. Like, there's a weird flower focus. So I don't know if it's like, hey, Walt likes flowers. If you do a scene with flowers, like, it'll make the movie. Like, I don't know. Because the first few times, it's like, I can see what you're doing. And then it became, like, the go-to thing, like, where I was thinking maybe it was just, like, default template for an animation sequence like you start animating and the fucking microsoft word paperclip comes up and is like hey (laughs) it looks like you're trying to animate how about flowers changing with the seasons right yeah i don't know if it's just that but But this time these flowers are singing like in a chorus right and one of them i think one of them is conducting the rest of them Right. right yeah there's also a sunflower symbol crash is the ending which i thought was pretty cool they say if alice is not a flower then she must be a weed and then like everything else in this film, this once whimsical situation has turned into a disaster. So now we run off to the next thing. Next thing, hookah smoking caterpillar. He's singing an Arabian song consisting only of vowels and blowing letter smoke rings. Is that an interesting uh, character quality? 
I, uh, no, it is not. But what is interesting, it's like he can't get his legs to work right. Now that I appreciated. Yeah, that was Like, uh, he's stuck wherever he's at because his legs won't do what he wants them to do. Right. Like, that, okay, that I can appreciate. Right. Uh, Caterpillar, as soon as Alice approached, he starts questioning her, and this we kind of... Who are you? Right. Like, he has that weird voice. Didn't right. sound anything like what I just did. Probably it's, not. A, it's a weird voice, just the same. Who, who are you? Better. Closer, At warmer. At this point, we start to reveal Alice. All you know, this was ten minutes ago. This was a really cool world. Now she's starting to no longer remember who she is or what life is supposed to be like because everything's been so crazy. And then we argue about some poetry, and Alice complains about only being three inches tall, which causes Caterpillar to get real pissed off and, and like. Saying, hey, being three inches tall is great. What do you... Fuck you. I don't come in here and insult your life. And then he turns into a butterfly. As the... You know, Alice is left crying by this whole scenario. And as the butterfly is, like, storming away, he does yell back, telling Alice to eat one side of the mushroom she's sitting on because one side will make her grow taller and one will make her grow small. Uh, If you're a fan of Jefferson Starship, you already know this. Right. Well, those are pills, of course. One pill makes you larger, one pill makes you smaller. Uh, it made me think of Mario. I don't know that Alice eating mushrooms is the, uh, I assume it is, is, you know, the what gave yeah. Mario. You know, but there are some mushrooms that make you bigger, and now some that make you smaller, and some That's of the true. more recent Marios. Yeah, I, that goes all the way back to fucking the real Super Mario 2 that didn't get released in America. I uh, don't care for the mini mushroom. I, I like it in the... Uh, in the uh, Mario Party game or whatever, where you can oh, go through right. certain pipes and shit, but like actually playing on it in like the Wii one yeah, or the Wii U one, helpful. yeah, or you go way too fast and can't control yourself, or you jump and you stay in the air for fucking ever for no reason. Like, not Accurate. a fan of the mini mushroom. Right. Well, I was talking about the bad mushroom that, like, in NES Mario, you can get the good mushroom to get bigger. Sometimes it'd be a bad mushroom that looks exactly the same. This isn't in American NES Mario. Okay. This is in. You've played it, you don't realize you have, but Super Mario Brothers 2, you mm-hmm. know the one for the Nintendo, yeah. that isn't like Mario at all. Right, yes. Yeah, that wasn't supposed to be Mario. Uh-huh. They made a Super Mario 2 in right. Japan that uh-huh. was just the same thing as Mario 1. Right. It was way too fucking hard, so they didn't release it here. That had poison mushrooms that, like, you okay. picked it up and you got hurt. Huh. That got later released a couple times. And remember that Game Boy original Game Boy Mario we had. I think so, yeah. Where it had, had like the bonus levels or whatever. That, that was, was Mario 2. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was also released for the Super Nintendo called the, like Super Mario Bros. The Lost Levels or something. Well, anyway. Uh, what so, the hell were we talking about? <laughs> she eats mushrooms. Some make her okay. bigger, some make her small. So like, is it like you're already big and then like, then it makes you small? Like, yeah. You, get it? you okay. think, oh good, a mushroom. Let me get this. But I'm you wouldn't get a mushroom if you're already, oh, it kills you. Oh, I yeah. see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is not like the mushrooms that, you know, no, it's not a benefit. Okay. Right. I don't think those are a benefit. But. <laughs> I don't think a lot of the new things that come up with their benefits, if we're just talking about it. The mini mushrooms, I don't care for the damn propeller hats. No. The penguin suits are not cool. Like, what was wrong with the tail suit from the third, like, back in my day? <laughs> you know what I'm mad at is Paper Mario right now. You've never played those games, but the first two were great, and then since then they've tried to make them, but they haven't wanted them to really be Paper Mario games. Yeah. So they keep I adding stupid fucking them. gimmicks that aren't like fun for anyone i haven't played it i'm waiting for scissor mario so that does beat paper Uh there you go 
She gets she shrinks and grows and does the thing again. She ends up at normal ha- height, and then she meets the Cheshire Cat. And yeah, he did scare me a lot as a kid. This is old Sterling Holloway again. Before the cat, uh, I don't know what I meant here, so I was hoping you you remembered. I wrote something that says, "Grows enormous. Bird thinks she's a serpent. Finally, right size, but lost meets cat." <laughs> What bird thinks she's a serpent? Like, did that happen? Like, I don't understand I don't how you keep track of these notes. I don't remember a bird yeah, or a serpent. Let me just back all the way up. Discovers hookah-smoking caterpillar, singing vowel song, can't get all legs to cooperate, gets super cranky, but tells her about size-changing mushrooms. Mario grows enormous. Bird thinks she's a serpent. Finally right size, but lost meets cat gives her directions. Sounds like fucking Charlie Day wrote this. <laughs> Uh, I don't remember that. Okay. I'm sure it was a nothing scene. We'll just put it out there for our uh, for our listeners. Our listeners are probably pissed at us this episode because we don't remember this movie. Right, all of the like Alice in Wonderland fangirls are going to like, I assume they're all girls, are there dudes that like this shit? I don't know. I don't know. Who are going to be out there, you know, like, oh, they're doing Alice in Wonderland. I love Alice in Wonderland. They're going to fucking love it, too. This is going to be a great episode. They're just going to sit around talking about how much they love it. Well, it's hard to do, like, a film discussion kind of thing when it's just like, this, then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. And yeah. there's not, like, jokes, and there's not, like, oh, let's talk about how good of a villain this is. There's, it's just kind of strange. Yeah. I've been several different scenes from now I wrote... Uh, it's almost like this movie never gives viewers a chance to breathe. Uh, That's scenes true. don't really end. Someone just comes crashing in and transition us on to the next thing, which narratively makes sense because that's how it should feel for Alice as well. Crazy right. frenetic. And I think you want your audience to be uncomfortable. Like, if yeah. you can pause from talking about how annoying we find it to say you want right. it to be slightly uncomfortable for the audience to build tension and then a release. Right. Uh, but... <laughs> I think Willy Wonka is a nice... I'm sticking with that as a comparison. I love Willy Wonka, though. I do, too. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's this done well, where, like, it is everything that happens once they go in his factory, in either version, uh, everything that happens is ridiculous and crazy. Like, why are squirrels sorting nuts? Or why why can you lick the wallpaper? Crazy-ass boat ride. Yeah, either way. And... But it's interesting. Like, and I don't know if it's just Gene Wilder being Gene Wilder, or if there's enough, like, I care about Charlie Bucket... And I care, you know, I, these other kids are interesting to me instead of just, here's a bunch of weird shit and we're done. Like, there is a live action Alice in Wonderland adaptation that stars Gene Wilder. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to talk about the, the Johnny Depp one. No, I've never seen that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but th- this was like a 90s like British TV movie or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We, me and Kelsey watched it once and I don't remember anything about it other than Gene Wilder was there and he was like 70 years old and it was like kind of weird. But. Uh, Should we talk about? Do we want to wait to the end to talk about the live action one? Or I mean, you haven't seen. I mean, I don't have much to say about it. But if you got anything, uh, from what I I only watched it once. Uh, From what I remember, they made up this whole weird story about like the fractious day is coming. Like they took elements of the Jabberwock poem and stuck them in here. Like the fractious day is coming. We got to get ready for the fractious day. Okay. And like, and then the Jabberwock is an actual monster that they have to fight. And maybe that's a plot point in one of the movies or like one of the books. The I, have glass or something. I don't know. That but one. now they've made the sequel, which is through the looking glass. So who, who the hell knows? Anyway, it's mostly like, it's a Tim Burton movie. So everyone's being weird, uh, which is enjoyable in some Tim Burton, Tim Burton movies. Like, uh, but if you combined Tim Burton at his worst right. with Alice in Wonderland at its worst, like it's bad. 
Well, we're on the subject and not on the subject of Alice in Wonderland. Do you have a favorite Tim Burton movie? I'm trying to think of the ones I have seen. Um, I don't Nightmare think I've ever seen Nightmare. Since. I've seen Corpse Bride. Okay. I, um, I haven't seen that one. I have seen Batman. Batman. Yes, I like Batman quite a bit. I've not seen Scissor Hands. Me neither. I um, Planet of the Apes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know who's great in that? The rest of the movie is dog shit. But you know who's great in it? Paul Giamatti is fantastic. Yeah, he's great in most dog shit movies. He's, uh, he's like a. <laughs> he's in a lot of dog shit fan. movies too. <laughs> that is true. Who's Paul Giamatti's agent? I like, don't know. <laughs> Maybe uh, he just doesn't say he no probably. What if he watches or listens to this episode? Like, he probably thinks, Alice in Wonderland, that's a nice story. No one will shit on me in this story. There's no possible way this will end with me getting shat upon. You ever seen Sideways? Uh, no. No, I like, to be clear, I like Paul Giamatti a lot. He's just made some, well, what the fuck are you doing yeah. in this movie? That's a good movie, Sideways. Uh, what else? Tim, Tim Burton. I was going to say Sweeney Todd was my favorite. Oh, yeah, Sweeney Todd is great. Yeah. Um, I like that. Favorite that that if I, that's my favorite Tim Burton movie and t- favorite musical like that it's the top of both of those categories for me. I enjoy South Park. Uh, bigger, longer, uncut. <laughs> also a good musical. favorite musical. Oh, <laughs> uh, where on earth? Uh, we're going. Okay, we're going to Mad Hatter. Yeah. No, because we're still with the Cheshire Cat. Uh, I'm not on mine. Meets cat gives her directions. <laughs> Boom. There's a little bit of importance there because there's the line. Of she's asking the Cheshire Cat for help, and the cat says, "Oh, well, you should visit either the Mad Hatter and points in one direction, or the March Hare and points in another direction." But he does explain that the March Hare is mad too. To which Alice says, "But I don't want to talk to any mad people." And then a classic line from the book and the movie: "Oh, but we're all mad here. You will see that on a million T-shirts, and Kelsey and I have it on plates." In like that we have in our cupboard and that like that's that's the fucking tagline of this movie it went book and world basically so I felt like we shouldn't just glance past that fine <laughs> got directions move on <laughs> well I mean the next thing <laughs> well we'll wait till we get there but I know it's more interesting than this movie Mary Mary on birthday because that is my next song never mind mm-hmm. uh, is it a catchy th- song thong <laughs> is it a catchy song because here's what I wrote uh, very merry on birthday. After several annoying minutes, the <laughs> rabbit arrives, <laughs> breaks his watch, and, and throws and they throw him out. Oh, uh, my first note was both of these guys are assholes. So. Yeah. Now this song we did have on a uh, one of those sing along deals. So this was all I yeah. So this was all I did know about this movie before watching. I think 2009, 2009 may have been the first time I watched this movie all the way through. Probably because uh, I. You know, to never stop on TV to watch it or anything. And yeah. maybe I watched like once when I was little, but I don't really remember. So we meet the Mad Hatter and the March Hare. Uh, the Mad Hatter, if you don't recall, talks like fucking Snagglepuss. With yeah, like, yeah, he does. Heaven's oh, I can't, gotta have the tea, I can't believe. I can't even do the Either voice. like that or like the little guy from uh, Wreck-It Ralph, the... Uh, have you seen that? I have seen Wreck-It okay, Ralph, but yeah, it, are the we talking little, about Bill Diddy? The mayor of oh. like... Sugar Down or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> I haven't seen it long enough no. to know. Who's names like ends up being the main villain? Like. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I saw it once. It's been a while. Mayor of Sugar Town. I don't think that's his name. Fun fact: I couldn't remember Snagglepuss's name when I was writing these notes. So yeah, I you told me this. Yeah. And Barbara, gay cat guy. <laughs> so uh, we commence the nonsensical tea party. Uh, we also meet the Dormouse here. He's just a tiny little mouse that's drunk all the time. And we, I do think we get 
some cool visuals, which are a good selling point for this film, if you're interested in seeing this fucking world, <laughs> where uh, the Mad Hatter, you know, we're pouring tea, we're having a tea party, every once in a while we change places, because it's crazy. Uh, the Mad Hatter cracks open a teapot like an egg at one point, and that's silly. The March Hare requests a half a cup of tea at one yeah. point, so they cut the tea cup or teapot in half. I remember liking this when it was on the sing-along thing, right. uh, because it was kind of fun and crazy and, and, and changing around. That like, is better, right? It's but easier in the, to handle than a in the context movie. of a whole film of that. I feel like it's like if you dealt with uh, preschoolers every day. We're like, to an outsider, like, oh, four-year-olds, it's a lot of fun. Like, cool, yay, they're, they're fun at that age. We're like, if you deal with it every day, it's like, yeah, they're yelling again, and then they <laughs> smeared that on the wall. And like Another uh, sort of iconic line is brought up here. with uh, They pose Alice a riddle, telling her she needs to solve this. Uh, the riddle is, why is the raven like a writing desk? Mm-hmm. Classic unanswered riddle of the book and the film. They never go any further. It's just a thing to ponder. There's been several, like, I think I know the answer on fucking Reddit or whatever. I'm going to post this because I know. And I've been on the internet, so this is obviously what it is. (laughs) Uh, And that is the line. Because Poe wrote on both. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Lewis Carroll has ever fucking answered this anywhere, or if that's just right. What I think he just wanted said. a silly riddle and yeah. to not give you the uh, the release of the right of knowing what it is. I think other movies that are other f- books or what have you that deal with fantastical worlds like this, like will give you attention and then give you several moments of not attention but will give you some tension mm-hmm. and then give you some moments of like release from that tension to build up to something else that is tense right. or this movie seems to for its entire runtime just be and you're not i don't want to say annoying again but just be trying to disturb the audience as much as possible and like right. keep pinching them until uh, yeah it's, it's kind of like... over we're like yeah, it's kind of like just trying to annoy you just a little bit each time. Like, it's like a guy walking up and being like, I'm not touching you, can't get mad. Right. Just need to be big, need to be face. small, need to be big, need right. to be small. Like, here's a lizard in the ladder. Like, it's too much. Like, yeah. Uh, this scene ends with White Rabbit showing up again. Mm-hmm. His watch is no longer working, so the Mad Hatter decides to try to fix it. And he says what the watch needs is butter, and then tea, and then jam, and then. The March Hare suggests mustard, and then we get, yes, must, mustard, mustard, and then that, that's that joke. The watch goes crazy, gets smashed, and now the White Rabbit has no watch, so he knows he's late, and he doesn't even know what time it is anymore. He gets tossed out, and Alice follows, and now we're lost. Alice finally, finally get a little bit of a chance to breathe in this scene, where Alice gets lost, and finally she's saying, please, no more nonsense, and it's almost like... She's no longer happy with this world of nonsense she's created and finally starting to worry about getting home. And I guess you could call this like the dark middle chapter. Right. Uh, in the same point in Home Alone, he finally, you know, he starts to like... He has to go to the church and talk to the old guy. Right, and like talk to his mom and we're like they're both talking out the window from other, from halfway across the world. Right. But like uh, that may be in the sequel now that I think about it. But either way... Uh, you know, this is where the and this happens in any sort of you thought you right. wanted this story, where like the main character realizes this is not at all what he or she wanted. After finally getting to this point of realizing that, 
uh, now the things that were once silly are starting to seem like menacing and she's starting to feel a little alone. Plus it's getting dark out, you know, you don't want to be in this crazy world at night. But she finally gets a sort of a hope moment here where she, she follows an arrow made out of flowers into this, this red path and she's like, oh, I'm going to follow this path and it's going to lead me back home. This is what I need. And then she turns a corner and sees a little broom dog sweeping away the path. Mm-hmm. That I feel sorry for Alice in this scene, but I also feel sorry for the dog because he's cute. And I feel like he's being patronized for just doing his job as a, as a street sweeper. Here. Right. Like, I mean, he's just following orders. Like, he's right. probably not. I don't think he's doing this maliciously. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's trying to keep her from he finding her back. It, it seems to be his job to erase mm-hmm. all the paths. I could see this being a place where you wouldn't want paths. Like, if this right. is your mad world, why would you have straight paths? So yeah, you can't you have that order sneaking in. That would be awful. But now we sing a cry song about it. Right, she sings a song about not following her own advice. Mm-hmm. She says it's very good advice, but she very rarely follows it. Right. And she knows that her curiosity has led her to this predicament. So I guess this is like her moment of change, learning a lesson, vowing to do better in the future. I don't know. At her lowest moment, the Cheshire Cat reappears. I was about to say, perhaps as a reward for this, the creatures and woods all fade away and only the cat is left. Right. And Alice pleads with him uh, that she wants to go home, and Cheshire Cat says she has to go see the queen if she wants to go home. And that leads her to a shortcut through a secret tree door that he knew about. Just like, well, move to the next thing. Right. Gives her a shortcut, which is, of course, a maze, because what <laughs> fuck right. wouldn't it be a maze? Like... <laughs> Oh, it's a shortcut, but you might never make it. Like, uh. But I did always, like, right after this, we get a very upbeat song. Painting uh, the rose is red. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We see uh, a garden and, uh, like, a, a world of playing cards that uh, they're going around, they're painting the roses red. And the, they explain in the song that they planted white roses by mistake, but that the queen wants red ones instead, so they have to fix it. And. I know we, we've hated on a lot of this movie, but this song is nice, and it does establish sort of the, the way the queen rules, the arbitrary mm-hmm. nature of her yeah. decisions, and the fear everybody has of her, which right. is all undercut by me writing, and then Queen Fred Flintstone arrives. <laughs> yeah, I didn't make that connection consciously. But, but that but... is exactly what she looks like. Right. Uh, there's some pretty cool animations here with the cards, I thought. They kind of like shuffle into place a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah, that is neat. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was Pink Elephants on Parade-esque, but not nearly as bonkers and out of nowhere. And then right. that fits. In right, this and movie. fitting. We're like, Dumbo, right. why would there be pink? Like, what is that about in Dumbo? Now, I will say, for anyone who's wondering, the only other movie we had so much, like, pulling our hair out, this is ridiculous questions about, was Dumbo. I like this. I'd rather watch this movie than Dumbo any fucking day. I don't know if Dustin feels the same way, but I'm on that side of the, the fucking I, I mean, boat. judging from the... The way it gets rated later on, yeah, it's rated okay. much higher than Dumbo. However, it is it still is frustrating. Now, parts of it are really cool. Uh, <clears throat> we'll talk about this later, but like the visuals in the movie are really neat. Where there's yes. nothing visually impressive at all about Dumbo. Yes, um, the music is, you know, it's good at times, uh, but you know, it's whew, parts of it are just really annoying to me. And I and, and I don't want to sound like I'm someone who just doesn't enjoy, you know fantasy worlds or whatever like it's just this particular one seems to be awful we meet queen fred flintstone (laughs) she's a pretty great selfish loudmouth. uh and we also get the uh uh, the chemistry of having a a large and boisterous queen and then a little tiny king (laughs) that they're pretty fun it's it's, it's a jack sprat situation here 
Is that the plot of Jack Spratt? Uh, he could eat no fat and his wife could eat no lean. Between the both of them, they'd lick the platter clean. That is like a G-level fucking nursery rhyme. Yeah, like, but it's... fucking remembers the, Jack Spratt? The whole point of the nursery rhyme is, hey, this guy's skinny and he's got a fat wife. Like, <laughs> nursery rhyme. Like... Jack and Jill, I know that one. Yeah, they, well, I don't know if it's the same Jack. I also don't know if it's the one who's putting his thumb in the pie or whatever. <laughs> Little Jack Corner? Yeah. Well, he has got a last name there, but I mean... Also... That's not Spratt. While we're talking about putting fingers in things, the... Go on. The expression, the little boy with his finger in the dike, used to... What? See? I've never heard this Okay, what is the expression about someone trying to keep, uh, like, a flood from happening? Like, because an actual... Donald Duck in a rowboat, like... Sort of, yes. But I didn't know that was called a dike, and so I was confused. Like, little boy with his... What in the world? I have so many questions. It's so hot in this room. We're so off track. So, yeah, the... Queen takes a liking to Alice, but still yells about everything. Is this before the croquet? This is before the croquet. Okay, well, then I'm useless. (laughs) While Alice tries to explain her problems... The queen cuts her off and challenges her to a game of croquet. Okay, what well, questions, Alice, before they play croquet? Yeah. Boom. They use birds as mallets and gophers as balls and cards as whatever the arch things are called in croquet. I don't know. We'll call them the croquets. Okay. I don't know. Uh, I do like this. The queen cheats, which is fun. Everyone like the... cheats for the queen. Well, yeah. Like, she doesn't. You're right. That gopher, is an important distinction. Right, like the gopher ball will like run in place somewhere else. Right in the car. The uh, the croquet. The whatever the. I don't know how croquet works, but I'm assuming there's The portals. We'll call them portals. Works. Whatever things you have to go away. The doorways. When the queen does well, uh, even Alice's, like, flamingo club starts clapping for the queen. And mm-hmm. It's pretty cute. Here the Cheshire Cat makes another appearance, and as soon as he does, Alice is like, please, no, don't, whatever you're doing, no. <laughs> he keeps disappearing uh, whenever the queen, like, asks about him, and then he causes the queen to accidentally hook her dress with her own club and tumble over ass over tea kettle exposing bloomers with hearts all over them and the queen's all off with her head but the king convinces the queen to give alice a trial for this instead and the trial of alice is the climax of this film so now we get all the characters we've seen before being called up as witnesses to alice's right the, the march hare's the first crimes, witness and the dormouse is there as well neither of them are helpful and also the dormouse is drunk as shit but don't worry, they sing the unbirthday song again. Right. Uh, yeah, Mad Hatter is there. He sings a mer- very merry unbirthday because it's the Queen's unbirthday, so we have to do that. But then Cheshire Cat appears on the Queen's crown, causing complete chaos again. And everything's going all over the place. The Queen's finally ready. Uh, I'm finally getting off with her head this time. But this is when Alice pulls out the other side of that mushroom and grows really big and goes all Godzilla crazy on everything. And this eventually leads to a chase scene, uh, kind of a Scooby-Doo running through the hedge maze sequence here of just, like, people going in every direction. Uh, And then we kind of run backwards through the whole movie. Like, we end up running past uh, the singing sea creatures and the dodo bird and uh, we see the caterpillar again. He won't help her. And finally we make it back to the door right when everything's about to go, you know, crazy, crazy building up, going absolute off the walls. She sees her sleeping body outside the door and starts screaming for her to wake up. And then while she's screaming, wake up, wake up, we, like, crossfade back to the teacher lady shaking her, wake up. Because it was a dream the whole time. And I guess she walks away having learned something? Does that... Do we feel like that happened? 
Uh, I mean, the the <coughs> normal lesson of you, you know, sometimes be careful what you wish for. I guess. Like, I guess. Uh, how do you feel? Uh, not related at all to this, but why? Why would we start now? How do you feel about the Mad Hatter as a villain in uh, Batman? In Batman. Yeah, I liked him in the animated series. Yeah, one of the coolest episodes of the animated series, I think, is the one where. Uh, Batman doesn't realize it's a dream or whatever, and like, right. well, he figures it out he when he realizes. That episode. <laughs> well, yes, that's true. He figures it out when he realizes he can't read the newspaper or something. Right. Like, but it's like, what if Batman wasn't like he wakes up and he's not Batman and his parents are alive and Alfred's like, what are you talking about? There's no such thing as Batman. No, there is right. a Batman because it's someone else. But it's a fun episode. Yeah, they <laughs> uh, are doing the Mad Hatter this season on Gotham. Uh, oh. Which, for some of their villains, have been iffy. But this guy seems pretty cool. Uh, he seems creepy. He, right now, he's just a hypnotist. He doesn't, like, have, you know, all the crazy hats and shit. I mean, I think he wears a hat sometimes. But, Obviously. Uh, but not, it's not like shit comes out. Like, on the, on the 60s Batman or whatever, where, like, his hat re- opens up in a ridiculous way. And it, he's, like, a bright orange mustache and shit. Right. Yeah, I've not watched Gotham, so I, I don't know how that... It is very much up and down. <clears throat> it's kind of what I figured. I remember when the Mad Hatter showed up it was the first time I played Arkham City. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, he's cool. He's in uh, he's in uh, the the most recent uh, Arkham Knight. Arkham Knight. Yes, uh, I don't think he's in Origins, but I don't remember. Uh, but he is definitely in in uh, Knight, and he's pretty cool in that. Final thoughts on the film? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I mean, I feel like we covered a lot of it. Right. Um, I mean, clearly, from the notes that I wrote and my just inability to talk about it in a linear way, right. uh, <laughs> I just can't with this movie. Like, yeah, I have sort of a soft spot for it. Like, a lot of the songs are really nostalgic for me. Uh, but I feel it's much closer to, like, a melody time, kind of just turn this thing on and your kids will shut up for a while sort of thing. Like, it's entertainment and... It's a fun world with a lot of charm, but as a story, it's not my thing. Should we talk about Lewis Carroll himself a little bit? Um, he was like a creepy pervert, wasn't he? Well, I yes. I don't know like, much about him. There, there were these three girls that he spent a lot of time with, one of them being Alice, and right. like wrote stuff for her. Like I don't know that there's ever any mention of him like actually being, like, you know interested in her sexually or whatever but like definitely the sort of thing that very close <laughs> that too but also at a time where women got married very young too like but yeah just kind of weird kind of an odd bird that lewis i mean clearly from what he wrote but also right you know. so into the rankings i guess <laughs> all right uh what do you want to start with i guess we'll start with matters uh i gave it three uh i like the concept of like, wondrous world of beauty and excitement slowly turning more sinister as the plot unfolds. Mm-hmm. That's a movie plot is all the time, like we mentioned Wizard of Oz earlier. Uh, or, like, pretty much every, like, uh, what do you call them, dystopian novel right. ever, where, like, this seems kind of fun, and then, oh, wait. Wish for something new, and then it all goes wrong, and there's no place like home. But I think it's done better in other movies, Wizard uh-huh. of Oz being one. Uh, plus the dream sequence aspect kind of undermines the consequences of everything on the rewatch so yeah three middle of the road i also gave it a three which is probably surprising from the way that i have uh <laughs> shat upon it but i think it is a cool idea obviously it's not disney's idea it's an adaptation of, of a novel but uh i think i will as an adaptation how do you think it works i mean i think it's disney'd up it's, it's, in a way yeah like, i think it is done 
without consideration for the audience. Like it, like you said about the book, I haven't read it, but you have. Like if it really is like this chapter, this happens. This chapter, this happens. They're not necessarily That's related. What I recall, but that was like four years ago. The right? reader might read this today and not read it again until you know, a few days later or whatever, and that's totally cool that it's episodic or whatever. But if you watch this and you're just dealing with all the things that this movie makes you deal with... Right. ...with no, like, time to go, okay, wait a minute. Like, which I understand not doing that because I get that you want to build the tension on your audience, but to me, they did it too much. it doesn't make that fun for the audience. Right. I think you want to build tension but also entertain them, and I didn't feel entertained. I felt tortured most of the movie <laughs> like just everyone shut up <laughs> like, right uh music i went three again uh i think the music's all really fun in this movie but none of it is particularly memorable like there's no show-stopping numbers it was mostly silly sea shanties so right but the i enjoyed the the walrus and the carpenter the right. mary on birthday i know i wrote several annoying minutes but like <laughs> it in and of itself is a fun scene it's right annoying when you put it in the whole uh in the context of the whole movie but that the song in that is nice um i don't remember any of the other songs at the moment but i'm sure they were that alice sing are pretty forgettable true anyway i gave it a three uh what do we want to do next Uh, i guess yeah the the queen queen is okay she's not mentioned until the very end of the movie which i feel like cuts into because she's not really an obstacle until she suddenly is an obstacle or like i feel like a good villain even whether, no matter how serious the, the movie is, a good villain should be there. I mean, you can have a surprising twist at the end when the villain might be revealed, but you need some sort of constant, like, overarching villain, I think. Yeah, and I think that would have been easy to do in this. I don't think that's... I think this book is very similar to how this uh, film works. But if you wanted to stray from the source material, like right from the beginning you'd be like this is the red queen the red queen is the leader of this wacky domain right because you could say like things are weird here because everything is done the way the queen wants it whether it makes sense or not and like i don't know i want usually i want these types of things these sorts of fantasy stories to be uh satires like i want them to Mm. be like like a gulliver's travel situation or like like it has a point like it's weird but it's made it's showing you it's talking about the actual society by showing you a different society the little prince the uh the french children's book uh does this very well where he goes to different planets and meets different people on each planet but they're people who are like people on earth like um which I like better. Than, like, these people don't necessarily seem to be related to people in the real world. No. They're just different types of bizarre, I mean, wacky maybe people. maybe some, like, literary studies about what Lewis Carroll was trying to draw parallels to. I don't know. Right. But they don't seem that way. I also think, in, and you mentioned, like, Hot Topic Shoppers or whatever, but I think it also gives license to people to be like, I'm eccentric. When it's like, no, you're, you're weird and awful. Like, you're in junior high. Like, yeah, like, else. you're like, not, yeah. That, that's just the time of your fucking life. Yeah. So what was your points for the Red Queen? Uh, I ended up giving her a one and a half. Like, she's okay, she doesn't get a yeah. lot of screen time, uh, and she looks like Fred Flintstone. <laughs> Yeah, I went with two. Uh, she's big and loud, but not very frightening or intimidating. And personally, like, the big and loud villain looks pretty sophomoric compared to what we just reviewed with Cinderella. Uh, compared to, like, the quiet evilness of Lady Tremaine. Big and loud is not really You could be big and loud and an effective villain, though, I think. You can. Like, I don't think she is. Uh, but. In the movie we're going to talk about... Uh, 
in the next episode when we talk about Peter Han, Peter Pan, <laughs> Peter Han Solo. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Peter Pan, uh, Captain Hook is very loud yes. and is very awesome, like and effective <laughs> in what he does. Uh, she's very loud and is by no means the most, uh, you know, difficult character to deal with in this movie. Yeah, uh, and I think it's kind of funny the way everyone tries to, you know, help her cheat in the game and all that kind of stuff. But I don't feel like she's an overarching villain. She's an obstacle in the five minutes that she's on screen. Right. Uh, but uh, she's the default villain. But even then, me. she's not, like, even, like, defeated. Like, we run away from her yeah, and just escape. There's not, like, okay, we overthrew the Red Queen, and yay, we can do this now. Like, none of that. Or the Queen of Hearts. I know there's actually a different character named the Red Queen, I think. I don't know. In the actual book. But. I don't know. I wrote Red Queen on here. There's only one in this book, in this film, so. Fred Flintstone. Mise en scène. Uh, I went with four on this one because there's crazy creativity involved, but I I think there is a downgrade in detail from what we have seen elsewhere. Uh, not like an extreme level to like the package films we got earlier, but just not... The creativity's there, but I think maybe some of the, uh, I don't know, time, money, animators, whatever, might not have been there. Some sequences looked a little Melody Time-esque, so uh, four. I give it four and a half. Um, there are, you know, some of them are repetitive, but there are some cool ideas here with the, you know, the tears becoming the, you know, the flooding the room and the flowing out through the keyhole in the doorknob yeah. and like, or in the door or whatever. And like that kind of the, the different flower things and the way the Cheshire cat works. And like, there's some, there's some Cheshire cool stuff in general. And the, like, the half a cup of tea and like those yeah. kind of silly, silly things. I mean, I think it's, I think it's cool. Uh, yeah. Four and a half for the Meads. Uh, message. I went three again. There's a message there, and <laughs> it's well delivered with the, basically, there's no place like home. Grass is always greener, you know. But because of that, like, it's somewhat cliche, so it doesn't feel all that memorable. Right. Also, we don't have, I also gave it a three, but we don't have, like, anyone to, like, I think part of the thing that's missing in this compared to other, like, Wizard of Oz or whatever, we don't have anyone, like, guiding Alice through this no. to, like, help her say, you know, here's what you have to learn on this journey or here's whatever. Like, so I think that we have added that she should have learned, you know, there's no place like home or whatever. And I guess she does right. uh, learn that. But you don't have anyone, like, there's not a good witch of the north helping her yeah. or, like, it's or almost... Charlie's grandfather, if you want to stick with uh, Willy Wonka, like... Right. Like, it's not like she's going on, like, a heroic journey or anything. Like, it's almost like because we have such a, uh, like, off-the-walls kind of world we're in that the film kind of shucks a lot of standard, like, archetypes that films will go by. And I think that hurts the film, honestly. Which, it's like, you know, I'm not following all these rules and conventions and then you kind of learn, like, well, this is why these rules and conventions are there, because it's an easy way to make a story that everyone gets right. on board with. Maybe if you were to restructure it and with, like, a, a good witch situation or, like, just some sort of plot thread to link everything. It, but, I don't know, then you get the argument of, like, well, is that still the same story that Lewis Carroll wanted? And sometimes it's like, this is creative, and good job, but I'm not having fun. Right, yeah. Which is what we also said for, like, Fantasia, too. That's what I was so. saying, too. Like, when we talk about Fantasia, it sounds like we really like that movie. Like, yeah. it sounds like we can talk about how creative this was or that was and how what a neat visual that was. But then actually watching it is not fun. 
to me. Uh, Same thing here. Like, I can appreciate the creativity that went into this. And even there is still a certain creativity in taking the the novel and turning it into this cartoon and actually putting pictures to all the, like, the descriptions from the book. Right. But it's still not fun. Well, and I will say at the same time, like, we may not particularly enjoy this, but Disney has, like, 60-something fucking animated pictures in their catalog just from their animation studios we got that many to choose from it's okay that one of them is just like well here's a wacky silly world and kids are gonna grow up with this and like they can enjoy see the creativity do drugs later and enjoy it more (laughs) some of them will i don't know like it doesn't have to be perfect because you know it's still cool that some kids are gonna grow up enjoying this and some will watch it once and go what the fuck is that and take it back to Hastings and never watch it again or whatever that's a dated reference because Hastings is out of business so um but I don't know jump on to magic our final category I went with three again here I think I'm middle of the road for fucking all of these the magic comes from the world that this film created and that world definitely has some staying power with like the cult like following that this film has garnered over the years but I don't think the characters or the presentation are, are as memorable as what we have been seeing in previous Disney films. So just overall average magic, average everything pretty yeah. much. For largely the same reason as I gave the message a three, I gave the magic a three and a half. Like I can appreciate that there are some magical moments to this. I can appreciate that while I don't like this movie, there are a lot of people that do and the things that they like about it are magical, like perhaps the first time the, the cat arrives, right. uh, maybe the first time, because you definitely see her grow and shrink plenty, right. but maybe the first time it happens is pretty cool. Uh, you know, the rabbit's appearance uh, is, is interesting, uh, but, you know, I'm not giving it any higher than that. Three and a half is as far as I'm willing to go on this. Right, so... Totaling all of those up uh, is pretty easy to total for me because outside of two categories, I gave them all three, and those two were a two and a four. So 18 out of 30, that is a very merry 18th unbirthday for this one. Mm. I uh, Mine, if you add them back up, which I'm not going to do for you here, but the total is 18 and a half, uh, which is so pretty much right on... Uh, Right on pace with yours, 18 and a half bread and butterflies out of a possible 30, nice. which, uh, you know, if you're doing math on this, is like a 62% uh, out of 100. That's pretty close to what it got on Rotten Tomatoes, too, I think. Uh, yeah, it was like 78, I think, 79 on Rotten Tomatoes. That may be the closest margin uh, with our scores so far. Probably so, yeah. normally you're like two or three points above mine, but we're like right neck and neck here for this one. Both of us just found this film pretty... Right. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that for most of this episode we've talked about how much I hated the film, but then and I still... more points than now, But my, I think that's more about the way I have scored everything, is I've consistently been higher than you on each it's one. True. Like, uh, maybe we just have different scales. What did you give Dumbo as a total? Six. Okay, so <laughs> never mind then, because I gave an 11 and a half. Right. So, but you're both terrible scores. Um yeah Dumbo definitely still at the bottom uh, my rankings now uh, I think maybe just do top five now that we got seven that works well okay so you can figure out what the other two are but. <laughs> especially since we just said Dumbo was at the bottom but I think that's what we will do going forward as we add sure. more and more things Cinderella at the top and then Snow White and then I didn't figure out the tiebreaker on this one but we have stated the tiebreaker we're going to use is the magic score so whichever Go back and listen to see if I gave Pinocchio or Alice in Wonderland a higher magic score. This is where you're going to do your magic. <laughs> Jake, your magic score was... 
Probably. Did you like that, by the I way? I did like that. Uh, good news. You totally gave Pinocchio and Alice in Wonderland the same magic score. So, still tied. We're going to break it with a coin toss. Uh, here we go. It's Pinocchio. Pinocchio is number three. Uh, and then Fantasia is number five. Number five. <laughs> All right. Uh, my top five, I'm going to count down for dramatic uh, emphasis. Uh, number five is Alice in Wonderland, then Pinocchio at four, then Bambi at three, Snow White at two, and Cinderella at one. The high score, Cinderella, 25 out of 30. Um, I believe Cinderella was 23 for me, maybe okay. So there you go. I don't recall. Uh, so that pretty much will do it for Alice in Wonderland. As we move forward, we'll be heading into Peter Pan. Arg! Get ready for some swashbuckling. Yeah, definitely. You can fly. What did you want me to say? I don't know. Uh, we, you know, still uh, look forward to getting some viewer feedback, or not viewer, but listener feedback <laughs> um, on these. Maybe not on this episode. No, well. Depends. Like, maybe if you like some of the... If you made it to the end of this episode. Good job, guys. Yeah, I mean, if you enjoy some of the... Well, maybe you enjoy that. Like, there are, you know, certain... Like, I enjoy the Dan Levitard radio show because it will not... They will not focus on one uh, topic. They will talk about anything that spirals out of that topic. That's true. Um... I'd listen to several podcasts that are the same way. So right, so maybe I don't know, but this, this could be. Need to make talking snack and a recurring. Thing and maybe, maybe that's what this deserves as a world of nonsense. Like maybe the fact that we didn't, uh, maybe. even we barely talked about the movie in the episode about it is fitting. Yeah, that's one word. Take for that, it. people who you are about to hate me on the internet. What your words are for it. <laughs> if you just email us, uh, send us your thoughts, your feedback, your what you think about the next few films we're going to be working on. Right. Which... We we talked about before about, you know, if we, we get positive reviews on our uh, iTunes that so we might read yeah, those on we'll the air. Negative reviews on <laughs> That's true. I actually would really enjoy doing that. Like, <laughs> you are scum but between my toes. But you should give us positive because that would probably help more people well, that find too. us because that's yes. how iTunes work. Five stars is cool. Um, you know, four and some good good feedback we would also accept. Constructive criticism, guys. Constructive compliments. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we, we want your uh, feedback. We want to, you know, tell your friends. Mm-hmm. Like us on... Uh, so you go up to your buddy tomorrow and say, Hey, I've been listening to a new podcast. Do you like Disney movies? Because you should check these guys out. Yeah. That's how I talk to my buddies. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> Nudge them on the Are shoulder. you one of those guys who likes to watch Disney movies? <laughs> <laughs> no. 30-year-old man talking to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Also, we have a Twitter. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. Follow us on Twitter, Disney uh, Dudes PC. Subscribe on iTunes and whatever it is you do on uh, SoundCloud and subscribe Snickers well. or whatever it's called, <laughs> Stitcher. We're not on. Stitcher. we're not Don't on Stitcher. Tell them that. <laughs> Never mind. Forget. Fuck Snickers. <laughs> you, I like Snickers. I Let's too. talk Halloween. Damn. How do you feel about Snickers on ice cream? I don't care for it. It gets no, hard. The, I don't the, like the, the caramel, caramel gets hard. Yeah. I don't like have to chew ice cream. M and M's on fun. ice cream also not fun because not they get really. way too hard yeah. um i could see pieces doing reese's pieces doing, i'll just say pieces like pieces. everyone knows what i mean reese's pieces doing okay um because their their shell is thinner than the name and shell i think everyone knows that of course if i'm going like if i'm going to dairy queen to get a blizzard mm-hmm. i may not go candy i'd probably go like strawberry strawberry banana really strawberry no cheesecake. no i like candy um if uh, i do something like that it would be oreo oreo is good uh 
Reese's cup, also nice. Don't really like doing that. Butter. Maybe a little bit of the chewing texture. Uh, I guess. Butterfinger, also nice. No. Oh, I'm a big fan of Butterfinger in the ice cream. Uh, have you tried the Reese's cup with the Reese's pieces inside it yet? That exists? That, uh, yes, it exists. I've been seeing it on Facebook forever, but I finally tracked one down. I've been, they don't have them in stores here, but if you go to Northwest Arkansas, where they have everything, uh, we got them. Uh, Apparently, I need to make a trip. So it's a Reese's cup in the peanut butter. There are many like Reese's full size Reese's yeah, yeah, yeah. cup, and Ooh. in the peanut butter, there are many Reese's pieces that are all extra crunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the I feel like the peanut butter in the Reese's piece is sweeter than the peanut butter in the uh, Reese's cup. I feel like it might be full of shit on that one. <laughs> Maybe you haven't done enough taste testing. Anyway, uh, what were you originally asking about? On oh, Halloween candy. Uh, uh, it's almost Halloween. It won't be when they listen to this, but you know. I mean, I like have a favorite I, Halloween candy. Uh, candy I mean, corn? The, the, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like the chocolate stuff as as a rule. Like stuff I would eat all year long. It doesn't have well, to do with ha- with Halloween, but you know, like Reese's cups, Snickers. Because Reese's, you get the egg shaped Reese's, not egg. No, That's Easter. <laughs> you get the pumpkin shaped. There Reese's, you go. Yes, that are, is accurate. You get more peanut butter in them that way. I feel. Mm, yeah, so, that's true. Always fun. Never liked like the candy ropes and shit like that. People had those for Halloween. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, you can tell the, like, socioeconomic status of the house you've stopped at by the... True. Or, or just... Or, like, they're giving the good stuff for themselves. That could be true, like, too. Like, oh, you gave me a whole bunch of Tootsie Rolls, you cheap asshole. Like, <laughs> or they, like the gross, like, grape Tootsie Rolls. or like. The oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Actually, I really like Tootsie Rolls. Um, no, now, I if don't. you gave me a handful of Tootsie Rolls and you could have given me Snickers or Reese's. You know or what like, I hate getting, which a lot of wise guys like to give this out as Christmas presents? What's that? The big Tootsie Roll that's oh, like three that. foot long Yeah, or what's wrong with that? No, you, like, okay. It you looks fucking, like a big turd, it looks but other than that, it's nice. <laughs> you fucking bite it, and then it, like, takes eight minutes to chew, because that's what a Tootsie Roll is. Yeah. And then you have it's you fun. have two bites of that, and you're like, I don't want any more How do you this. feel about Skittles? Do you, you like put Skittles? it in the fridge, and it lives oh, in the fridge the for the next in the fridge. No, then it's going to get extra hard. You can't put it in the fridge. Where do you keep it if you don't finish it? <laughs> so one time, I got uh, one of those giant... I like Skittles. Giant... Uh, Hershey's Kisses around Valentine's Day and it was when I was in college so I didn't have a knife in my dorm room to like break it up into little bits and so basically ate it like wow. a like a mouse and just sort of like slowly oh. like broke off little bits of chocolate with my teeth because you couldn't bite all the way through because it, it was too thick and I didn't have anything to break it apart with so I just uh-huh, like I gnawed were, on it. I thought you were implying that you ate mice for a second there. <laughs> like I ate I, think say, I ate it like a cheeseburger or no, something. No, I ate it like a mouse, like like a mouse. mouse. <laughs> where I just carved on it with my rodent teeth for a while. <laughs> I gotcha. Ugh. Is there a worst candy? Uh, well, I don't like candy corn. Uh, candy corn's pretty fucking bad. Um, also not a fan. I know a lot of people like them. I don't like nerds. No? Mm. Or now and laters. I've never had a now and later. Is that like a nerd? No, a now and later is more like a like a laffy taffy. Oh, um, I hate that. Gummy candy could fuck off. I don't want <laughs> that. Starburst, I guess I like you Starburst. could call it gummy. Starburst mm. is great. But like gummy worms, gummy bears. I used to not like gummy, gummy stuff, and I'm I'm more into it now. Mm-hmm. Um, I like those, uh, what do you call them, the, the German things. The hairy boo, hairy boo, hairy boo. Kevin things. Sorbo. I hear if you get the sugarless ones, they make you shit. No, like, I didn't cut it out that way. <laughs> I didn't so know that was a thing. For those. Uh, okay. Also, sour candy. No one wants that. Yeah, why do we, I'm not into that. If you're over the age no. of nine, why are you eating sour? You candy? know what? Sweet tarts sometimes too sour for me. Like I yeah. am, I am a wimp on sour <laughs> shit. Yeah. Like, ugh. Okay. Yeah. 
All right, so... I don't really care for Whoppers. No. Do you like Whoppers? I like them all right. I like hmm. peanut butter ones, too. But they, they're definitely thing. like a weird, like, this is stuck in my teeth forever yeah. kind of thing. No, no, not into that. Now, the Burger King Whopper I enjoy. Have you tried the... Uh, <laughs> they're just talking about fast food now. The Texas Double Whopper is what No, I, I was with. going to ask if you tried the new Burger King version of the Baconator. It's called, like, the King Bacon or the Bacon King. I don't remember what, yeah, but uh, I haven't tried it either. But I saw it in a commercial. I like Burger King a lot, but they are pretty shameless when it comes to like. Oh yeah, when they make their own like Big Mac, like yeah, yeah. which I don't remember what it was called, but Big King or something. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, this episode of Talking Snack. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Thanks for joining us. Uh, We'll see you again next time. I'm Jake. I'm Dustin. Bye, dudes. Snacks. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Dudes Watch Disney Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Jake here, reminding you all to like, rate, review, but most of all, subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube, so no matter which podcast venue you like to use, we're there and we're not hard to find. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter, at DisneyDudesPC. The PC stands for podcast. We also want to hear from you guys. If you have any fun childhood memories or fun stories about these films, please shoot us an email and share them with us. We'll read them out on the show. Our email address is dudeswatchdisney at gmail.com, so please send us your thoughts and join in on the discussion. For reference, the next two films we're going to cover are Lady and the Tramp and Sleeping Beauty. So if you can email us your thoughts before we sit down to record again, we'll be happy to share them with the world. Or the small portion of the world that subscribes to this podcast. Anyway, thanks again for listening. Uh, bye!